get into gate this is episode 192 we are talking stargate sg1 season 9 my name is medge joining me as always maddie and brandon hello hello here we are avalon part 3 aka its real title of origin uh the one i've been looking forward to origin it is very important absent <laughs> letter there and i found myself i was filming some stuff during the week and i kept wanting to talk about this episode and i kept calling it origins and the amount of times i had to stop recording and just give myself a little bit of a pep talk about saying origin instead of origin <laughs> would surprise you so post-traumatic stress kicking in just just a little yeah. bit and then I was watching a uh, a video online about some you know movements to do with uh, with Stargate, the future of the franchise, and MGM and the sale to Amazon. And in that, they referred to Origins, and they showed clips of that guy who looks like Jason Mewes and the chick who played Catherine and 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 her father. And I'm just it. Oh my god! Like how many years has that been since that came out? Four? I don't know. It seems Something like that. Yeah, and it's just, it really took me back and I'm like, oh yeah, it feels like fresh disappointment. But at the same time, I know that Lincoln has never watched it and I kind of <laughs> want to sit down with him and I'm like, you know what? It's less than oh, the Stargate movie. If it's you do that, you need to do a reaction video. Yeah, there's a Patreon yeah. exclusive right that, there. No, put that in our YouTube because then we'll get more subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I found uh, I found footage on my computer the other day. I'm like, what is eating up these giant files? And they were me secretly filming him from the side watching season two finale of Mandalorian when Luke Skywalker showed up, spoiler alert. And uh, he was losing his tiny mind. And uh, I think he would do that in the most negative way if I sat down with him. (laughs) I actually found, I was cleaning cleaning up some of my hard drives the other day and I actually found the video that we took of Mitchell in the studio watching like the last... Five mm. minutes of um, origin. Like, mm. <laughs> well, there I know it had it just started flooding back last night when I was watching the the small clips of of origins because I remember sitting there the night before we went to the podcast. I was watching it and I just I was falling asleep. Understandably, it, it, it's, I'm watching ten episodes. No wonder you fall asleep. No, 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 listener, viewer that's never seen it. They go for ten minutes each. Okay, they're webisodes, <laughs> and I was falling asleep. I woke up at like four in the morning. We were we were um, recording at five a.m. And on the drive in, I was just listening to it on my phone. And then when I got to the studio, I still hadn't watched the last eight minutes of the entire series. And you guys sat there and went, "You've actually got to experience this." And I mm. thought nothing <laughs> bugs me more than Mitch watching- just explained his rewatch of Stargate SG One for everybody. The last hundred and <laughs> what are we? Ninety-two episodes, absolutely. And uh, I nothing hates me more than and my kids do it now. They they watch so many YouTubers, and you know that's that, that's one of their career. Mm. I don't know about either one of your kids, oh, yeah, Brendan, but totally. it's like, well, oh, what do you want to do? Like they're mates. They go, I want to be a YouTuber when I grow up, and I'm like, oh my god, what is that? But I'm like, well, is there equivalent of like being a tv actor or a host of a mm. game show or something i don't know because yeah, the people they be. watch just sit there and record themselves playing minecraft or something but i hate mm. how fake it is and they just sit there and they scream and 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 overemphasize their entire emotion and i'm like that's and not then there's how always the, the shot where they zoom right into the dude's face and yep. it's all distorted audio and yeah and they all think that's funny oh my god um, they, they love that and it just i hear it from the other end of my house and i hate it, I hate it. so i don't ever want to do that sort of stuff so when you guys were filming me watching origins i'm like all right i want to react because it's a visual medium but i don't want to overdo it 
And I didn't need to overdo it because in my head, I'm like, I am not a creative writer. So the obvious easy way out of this is probably a mind wipe and then it fits in with Canon, but you wouldn't do that because that's a terrible idea. And then they did that and it was a terrible decision and it was poorly executed. And I thought, it's one wow. step away from me. It was all a dream. Mm, mm. They may, I mean, mm. they may, they may as well have, because then at least there wasn't this other random hostesis out there. And there wasn't all this stuff that went on with Ra that we net like, you know, what happened to mm. bunny way as a kid? Like, why, why do we not? Uh, whatever. It just, it, it, it took me right yeah. back. Did he get mine wiped too? Um, Oh God, I don't remember. I don't know. And if out. not, why does all, all I remember tell is Daniel that... that there was a lady from who came and Ra got pissed that one yeah. time. <laughs> all I remember is that there was a Middle Eastern kid that we were supposed to believe grew up to be Jaimin Honsu. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't work. Mm. And he was I mean, hey, hey, all about diversity, which is great. Um, that you can have, yeah, like you said, a Middle Eastern guy turn into an African man. That's fine, I guess. Mm. I don't know yeah. how things work as, in the big bad as galaxy. Cougar Town puts it, Jaimin Honsu, super dark black, blacker than space. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yes, all correct. Um, well, here we are. We're talking origin, not origins. And uh, yeah, it's the one that Maddie said a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I don't know if it warrants an entire podcast because it's almost just the extended ending of Avalon Part 2. It's the just, it, it's not really a full episode, but it is. And it takes mm. on a different name. So by default, and the rules of the podcast, which are extensive, guys, like we've got a, a full-on like and instructional book never on how we exactly and that's i mean to the detriment sometimes of us is we are sticklers for our own rules we have to make our own podcast so you wouldn't even believe it no you wouldn't believe it <laughs> we struggle to sometimes uh, as well and had we have ever discussed it before uh, 14 seconds ago maybe we wouldn't have yeah. but uh here we are episode three season nine we're talking origin and uh i'll go to the old synopsis here on the dvd and have a look daniel's reactivation of the communications device alerted the aura to humanity's presence now bent on converting all of humanity to follow its teachings the aura have begun sending its missionaries called priors out to turn non-believers from the evil ways of the ancients by any means necessary. necessary. Let's have a look here. Who we got as writer and director? Oh, it's written by Mr. Robert Redcon Cooper and directed <laughs> by Brad Turner because apparently he didn't trust Andy Makita after he did parts one and two of Avalon. Yeah, just get no. someone else in to finish to finish it off. And it opens with the rings. We were talking about this last week. Yeah. These weird all CGI rings, which, I mean, it's not that unusual, but the ground is CGI, the puddles are CGI, Daniel's yeah. legs are CGI. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> what? what it looks like anyway. No, it's just, it's just a terrible, like, green screen mm. from an awkward angle. Yeah. It is a weird and, angle, yeah. And because I and couldn't that, quite tell, I'm like, are there six rings? Because like I know, like typically yeah. in Stargate, there's five rings. We know in the movie, Ra had seven rings, but I couldn't lot, quite yeah. tell. I think I might have counted six Let's rings. Let's count them. Oh, have you got it up on screen, do you? I've just been watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I didn't. I didn't care enough to go back and actually look at it. I just went, oh. Yeah, because well, the main thing I was going to say is all right. So, where did the, uh, obviously Celestius is it? Celestius, the ancient um, city. No, Celestia? so I, th I think they said so. Celestis is the planet. Varega was the town, 
And then the city, they just, at one point, very brief, he just says, when Daniel's like, what is that? They're like, oh, it's the city of the gods. So I, I thought always... he said, welcome to Celestus, the city of the gods. Oh. That's what I, I, th- I always thought he said that. Come with oh, no. me. I thought it was the plains of Celestus. And then yes. it's the city of the gods. So <laughs> where is the plains of Celestus? Because it, is it a moon? I mean... You can only really ring so far. Is it another place, place on the side of the planet? Because it. Looks, uh, yeah, I, I always assumed it was on the same planet. Because it looks weird, like the whole landscape mm. is CGI, obviously, and we we're just in a practical set, so it's very confusing. I always thought they actually ascended for some strange reason with it, because the the rings are forgettable. But there's a very ethereal light to everything, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will just I will just point out something there, Brendan. You are asking a question based on rules that we've only always ever known, saying that you can only ring so far, forgetting that Redcon Cooper's changing things in season nine. So, <laughs> I, that, I mean, bro. who who knows? <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I am assuming they got a different galaxies under, under your teachings. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um and different oh, guys, dimensions. The, um the audio commentary. If you thought the auto commentary for Avalon Part One and Two was dry, oh my god, really? Oh, so he su- <laughs> he subbed out Eddie Makita because Eddie Makita wasn't allowed to do anything this episode. The director yeah. Brad Turner was busy, so he got in director of photography Jim Menard, okay. who entertaining, but he's probably the most dry person on the entire crew. Mm. Uh, and on top of that, Robert Cooper doesn't really let him talk; he just kind of. <laughs> Asks a question this, and then this keeps talking. Gonna be perfect. Um, this is going to be perfect for episode 200 when so we have Robert C. Cooper <laughs> on the show. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, for, for mine, the opening bit... Um, I mean, it, it, you're right. It did. It looked cool. The, the, you know, the fact that yeah, the rings weren't there. There wasn't any marker like there usually is, you know, on the ground somewhere. The ring sort of pops up underwater, and then the actual mm. rings pop up. They um, teleport in. Rings go down. The mark disappears, and they're standing there, completely fake world, fake background, fake sky, fake water, all of that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, this looks cool. I guess budget, blah blah blah. But you know what? If for what you the CGI budget lacks. You've got to make up for with real practical effects, and even if those practical effects are your cinematography, and if you've got these weird colors on behind you, you've really got to try and match that. And again, I know you're applying the the CGI, the background, all that sort of stuff in post, but well, then maybe that's going to match the cinematography on the day. So whoever's fault that is, but the lighting just looked so off because it looked like they were on a stage. It, it looked like they were in front of yeah. the green screen under you know, yeah. artificial light, but they're in this apparently real background. And I'm like, okay, well, that's sort of letting it down. Is it a CGI letting the, the story down, shot down, like we've talked about before? Well, then even to, when they were the other thing walking, is too, right? On the other side of the production is Stargate Atlantis. Mm. And some of the, obviously they had a tiny bit of practical set, but most of that is CGI yeah. as well. And I very rarely am distracted by that. Yeah. No. If, Especially in this day and age, you have like that's why I couldn't get into Amanda Tapping's next series, um, Sanctuary. Sanctuary, because it was exactly yeah. like the, the whole show was like this scene. Mm. Uh, it yeah, just, it was, by by design, never... it was a green screen show. Yeah, and obviously they had a low. They budget literally budget. had to like their makeup was orange. They were like painted orange as Oompa Loompas to counteract the reflection the greenness, so that when mm. they actually you know played the show 
they look like normal skin tone, but there really? is this very weird disconnect. Yeah, it's you. It takes a while to get used to the to the layout of it. It, it does pull you out sometimes. Yeah. The thing that got me with yeah. this though is we had all this, you know, wonderful lighting and all that kind of stuff, making the the um, city of the gods look amazing. And then we just cut to us like inside the city, and it's just a normal old set. It looks so yeah, like they walk yeah. into a normal hallway with like normal yeah. decor. They walk into a very normal table. They even had apples in a bowl. Like yeah, and like that a, a hutch behind so it. They just, picked up from Pottery Barn. Yeah, like, the only thing that I did like about it was the inside, which was the CGI, was the like the arch window, and mm. it showed outside the city. It was kind of like an archaic version of atlantis yeah i thought the same thing yeah yeah but yeah it was a very but weird other than that it's just like is that it <laughs> yeah and then that's all we see we see a couple of tiny hallways we see them sitting in that room with a bowl of fruit and the only kind of semi like wow moment we get is when daniel goes to go and see the doci and we kind of get that wall of fire mm. which was okay but I think, yeah, that's probably not one of the greatest effects that's held up to the test of time. No, I mean, no. And I, I can kind of forgive that because I, I think fire, I think modern, you know, I think modern CG lacks what we had even 30 years ago sometimes. Mm. I, think, I, think, I still think some of the Jurassic Park dinosaurs look better than some of the creatures we try and yeah. create in, uh, in 2022. But um, I think fire, we're still yet to master how to, properly do fire and properly yeah. do moving water yeah um, water we're getting part... better with with a couple of things that i've seen um but i still think fire just as an element the way that it moves we'll wait for whatever water avatar to see how we go with uh, water see if that changes things yeah Man, I mean, will I, make i've almost got yeah, camera will make it good. That's the thing. Like, I'm not even worried about that mm. because it's like I've stopped mm. doubting that guy. It's like, oh, the technology doesn't exist to make this. Okay, well, let's just make new technology. I'm like, yeah. of course you well, Cameron you Mitchell, by the way. George Lucas. James Cameron. Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Something yeah. I thought funny about the um the fire though was um they said in the in the commentary, so the gate in front of it, like the little gate and door, was real, and then they had like the CGI and obviously practical lights trying to like shine in on the actors. But to try and achieve it to look like it was a wall of fire, it f***ed up the gate so much they had to delete like the the fence gate in post and mm. re-put it in digitally. So they had to like put right. a layer of fire and then put a digital fence in front of it, even though that there was a practical fence <laughs> in the sh- in the shot. How irritating! Wild. I mean, just create a giant firewall, you cowards. Do it for real, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, like give yeah, me a three-story fire. Peter DeLuise would have done it. He would have. Yeah. <laughs> Burn or, Martin, yeah, they, or Martin Wood. You know they both would just been, be like, a bit hot. What was it? This yeah. 2005? You know, Michael Bay's just finished the, making the island. He's a couple of years away from Transformers. Go, Michael, uh, yeah. we need the biggest explosion scene on small screen uh yeah. fiction we he's, he's like he's like i can up. i can do it but you're only going to have that wall for three seconds <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and if you know heath ledger's joker told us anything it's gasoline it's cheap yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll be easy so I was writing this along the way because I've only seen season nine and ten. I'm going to say, I would have seen a couple of episodes here and there twice. I reckon, I, th- I think I've certainly seen the finale uh, twice uh, that or it just really stuck with me, which I'm also not convinced that that's not the case because once we eventually get there, we can talk about why, but I'm writing notes. As I'm going along because f- for all intents and purposes, this is really fresh to me. 
And I'm like, oh, are we at this point to think of the Ori as the Gould to the ancients Tokra? Like they're just the, you know, these guys are the bad version of the ancients. I'm like, no, surely I would remember something like that. But I guess come the end of it, that's basically what we're being told, right? Is that they are of the same thing. Yeah. They just got different ideologies and one are more power hungry and going, no, while they are real, like the Gould have fake power and they like, the feeling of the power gives them that, but they don't get anything from it. But you know, not to spoil anything for other people, apart from the way, their ego. The, the way that, yeah. yeah, apart from their ego, whereas the Ori genuinely power from people, you know, praising them and, and lauding them and all that sort of thing. So um, they've taken that with their ascended power. Whereas what we now know is the ancients were the good people, the good version of that were like, no, 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 let's do things the nice way and let's not interfere and let everyone believe their own things so that's it for all intents and purposes right like that this is the next evolution of for a viewer of oh this is the gould and we've always known about the tokra as far yeah. as ascended beings right yeah good, if, good. If, if, god if, i'm so clever as a almost first time watcher uh, basically what they <laughs> what they eventually get to is basically it's like the ancients and the ori were one like just species living on a planet like we are mm. the ori were the super religious people um the ancients were the super scientific people no, and at one, point, at one point the ancients went we can't deal with these idiots anymore let's just <laughs> let's just go like we invented space travel so we can actually just go let's let's just peace out mm. and go do it and go like we're gonna build our own casino with blackjack and hookers like just <laughs> peace out <laughs> And just left and all the hookers ascended. Yeah, <laughs> and just went. You know what, you guys, you guys can have this galaxy. You can just, you can have the whole fucking thing. Mm. We're out, and yeah, and that's basically how they um, separated. Yeah, I guess the um, Oma Dasala took the image of Mother Nature, or she became Mother Mother Nature, whichever way you look at it. Yeah, but there's no real other. I can't think of any other religion on earth that the ori could be apart from just the bad ancients yeah yeah there was that one line daniel had about how fire like how did how did on earth how did fire become negative imagery like it's a source yeah. of light and heat and and food that was and that cool kind of i like that and then daniel's like i always thought you know maybe the ancients had something to do with that that imagery of of fire being you know representative of something evil did you though uh, did you? Did, did Robert C. Cooper just think that? Is it also like when last week on? when uh, when Teal said he's always believed that ancient weaponry was going to bring peace to the Jafar? Really, or is that literally just happened? Yeah, he's very seen. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as imagery goes of of the priors, I mean, for me, and I don't know whether it's just because it's coming from you know a uh, a white male of of Western Christian faith, at least on paper. <laughs> they're very much of 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 that sort of imagery they're coming out looking like priests the way they're holding their bible and they're just standing mm. in front of people going this is the word of the lord what are you doing how do you not believe in him <laughs> jesus was <laughs> his child then you know like actually yeah. performing miracles there and it's like well yeah we're gonna let you benefit from this and eventually you'll come around like especially that prior that got sent eventually came to earth he, he even the way he spoke he was speaking so much more quote unquote normally whereas the bloke that was walking around with uh with daniel and vala you know he's just talking like a bit more of a robot and it's like what he was saying almost what had is, nothing are to you do normal or is he not like they were saying mm. it was like they were playing a game of mad libs and it's just like daniel would ask a question and he'd answer a different question yeah yeah 
in the form of a riddle. And it's yeah. like, uh-huh. I love it how Daniel just found another book though. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, um, here's something I noticed now. Mitchell just brought it up with the with the Ori that uh, sorry the prior that came to the Milky Way galaxy and was on that planet talking to all those people in the desert. Now we've only been introduced to the priors like at the end of the last episode, and mm. from the look of them, like with their creepy milky eyes and stuff like that, the the design of them and Robert Cooper confirms this is the designer was supposed to be they're blind yet all seeing, mm. right? So it's like they they they're <sighs> physically blind but with the powers they're given, they're they're kind of all seeing. Cut to the prior on that desert planet reading from the book of origin. <laughs> the blind man reading. Mate, he knows it off by heart. Yeah, it's, all, it's mate, all theater, mate. That is exactly what <laughs> Robert Cooper said in the audio commentary when Jim Minard oh, pulled the pop on it. He goes, Oh, well, he knows the book verbatim, so it's just for show. Wow. Bitch. And here we are guessing the ending of this. Guessing yeah. the ending of Origins. <laughs> <laughs> while um while we're on it, I want to um, play you the first of one of the fantastic little snippets of things that I found from the Robert C. Cooper commentary. One being just straight up from the start, he just talks about how much better his commentaries are than everybody else's. You know, I've been watching some of these uh, commentaries for other shows, and, and uh, in the past, whenever I've done these, I always noticed that uh, everybody always tries to talk about exactly what's on screen. You know, you're trying to cram in everything. What lens did you use here on this? <laughs> and, uh, you know, the interesting thing about this piece of wardrobe is, anyway, I, I just think that uh, maybe that's a little overly ambitious and it's really people who are listening to these are actually just looking for some sort of bits, insight into the making of the show and what goes on in the minds of the uh, insane people who are responsible for, for uh, making the show. Did he just... Wrong. But wait, <laughs> he specifically said in that little bit there at the very, very top of the show, oh, this particular piece of wardrobe or whatever, and then basically, oh, people don't want to hear that. Cut to uh, the final scene of Origin where, you know, Vala, Daniel, Teal'c and Landry are all in the briefing room chatting about all everything that just happened. This is the little um, snippet. We, we had a lot of issues with patches uh, early on because we, we wanted to know, uh, everybody wanted to know, who, who was it an SG-1 patch? Who's wearing the patch? Who's on SG-1? Because this whole thing about Mitchell getting the band back together. Oh. and uh, So we ended up going with SGC patches for everyone. Mitchell is the only one wearing an SG-1 patch in a lot of this until uh, an episode uh, later on down the line where he actually gets everyone to to wear the the SG-1 patch. But, I mean, these are the level of questions that you get on a daily yeah. basis. What, well, what patches are they wearing? You know, it's, it's just a, a constant uh, attention to detail. He's literally talking about costuming. <laughs> now, like, really? Really, man? Even the, the first best crab. thing about DVDs, the best thing about DVDs was an audio commentary. And yeah. if you get a Robert Rodriguez movie or mm. a Scorsese movie, you put on the director's commentary to listen to what the director did in each shot. Yeah. And I'd call it director's know, commentary. I might, I might get uh, cancelled for this. Or at least it used to be. The f***ing Joss Whedon commentary on Firefly. I think I've, I've watched the movie with the commentary on more times than I've watched the movie with the commentary off. Like when you like a movie, you want to know as much as possible about it. Fine, mm. you know. 
the I've watched. I remember the first one I really sat down and watched. I think it was Iron Man two of all things. I love listening to John oh. Favreau. I just love Fabs listening to him. And they had director's commentary on the deleted scenes, and he would talk about yeah, obviously nice. the scene, what went into it, but then also why they cut it. And that's what I. That's what I love. Like if someone's watching a director's commentary of something <laughs> yeah. that they love, You're in the weeds, they're baby. nerd. They are nerd enough to want to know about all that shit. I can't play. It. We might do it as like a Patreon special. As well. I can't play it in this because the whole grab is it's legitimately two minutes long. And that's the edited down version of all his like, yeah. And I'll go to bed. Stutters. Yeah. <laughs> but it's basically him explaining, you know, the the Gua world story and how like kind of like what they said at the end of the episode how like the Gua world would just it was a con job they didn't have any real power whereas the ori have real power and we don't know how to but to me like but he goes through it all and basically just contradicts himself like he spends two minutes and then by the end he's contradicted everything he's just said because to me it's like really a little like slave on a Gua world planet seeing a Gua world legitimately looked at them as gods and went that is mm. a god the amount of power and things that they could because they don't you know and it's been going on for like eight seasons it's like they can't conceive the technology that the world are using and all that kind of stuff so really all the or i are is like the, our version of the world it's like yeah that's we, true we, we can't perceive the tricks that they are doing and the feats that they are we can't grasp what they're doing so to us, they, you know, there's that conversation at the end where they're like, well, no, it's proof of power. They are gods, you know? And then the, you know, fucking Landry and, and Mitchell are like, well, we have religious grandmothers. So there's only one God, sir. <laughs> um, so it's like Cooper, he's, he's trying to make it sound like he's just, you know, reinvented the wheel with the Ori, but it's like, no, it's, he, it just leveled up. It's just the next level of the video game. Mm, yeah. Now, now Lost we, level. now we are, the like humans we are the where the no we're the slaves we're the we're the slaves on the planet looking up at the gould going oh my god look at these gods and the amazing things they can do they live forever blah 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 it's like well that's just it's exactly the same but he's trying to make it sound like it's different and i'm just like you nufty not that i don't enjoy it i actually really really enjoy the ori arc as a whole but it's just robert c cooper talking it's it's like um and i'll get to that one for this but star trek discovery it's like they uh, spend oh hey whoa, whoa sorry you, you get a one yeah generally for star trek it's very rare that you bring up star trek discovery as a reference point. or or if i say it i'll actually let them use the word star trek in front of it but that's another story <laughs> um but the production spends so much time talking themselves up about how wonderful they are yeah. Rather than letting the work speak for itself and letting fans, you know, grow to love the show, I feel like yes. Cooper's doing. Cooper does the same thing. Instead of just writing it and putting it out there, and here it is, he big notes himself and talks himself up about it, which, as a viewer, puts me off. And I'm like, oh, mm. oh, just just let me watch the show, man. Shh. Shh sit yeah, down. Yeah. Sit just down. Here it is as we present it. Mm. hopefully hopefully you like it guys yeah oh, make up your own mind oh my god we're doing amazing work we're doing mm. literally everybody loves it i'm no, reinventing the wheel reinventing they the don't wheel. actually yeah i'm talking about discovery not sg1 yeah. but <laughs> yeah that, that's what irked <laughs> me so much about discovery i haven't gone back Oof. to season two still nine episodes into season one and have been that way for three years going strong <laughs> gripping <laughs> Uh, stuff. Obviously, I'll have to rewatch all of it once I get back into it. Doesn't it doesn't get better. You mentioned <laughs> Mitchell mentioning his grandma. I think I figured out why I didn't 100% enjoy Cameron Mitchell. 
I thought you were talking in, about me there that. for a second. I'm like, I actually, I'm like, no, I actually Ma- didn't. Maddie mentioned Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> why? Uh, let me tell you why I don't like you, Mitch. Um, no, every time Cameron in twenty years introduces in the making. himself, yeah. <laughs> introduces himself to somebody, he tells them like a story of his past, like very detailed, mm. and to the point where it feels like it's forced exposition, mm-hmm. not character development because it happens like he mentioned grandma three set in three separate scenes mm. and it's like not the last time he mentions his grandma and it's in not show. Fun. it's not even good <laughs> we never meet her what she's, she's dead actually... yeah, well yeah <laughs> his grandma was Catherine langford and that's Whoa. the tie between origin and origins ah. actually don't speak too soon. <laughs> Could be his own grandpa. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> he was Jason Muse in Origin. Oh the... <laughs> my uh, own grandpa. Did we say someone else was their own grandpa? Anyway, that was years ago. Fry. Yeah, Fry, I feel... Fry in Futurama is his own grandpa. Yeah, but in Stargate, we were seeing that oh. in one of the episodes back when. But that I think that's why I feel like it was his character. He's a likable actor and I do like him, mm. but his character is forced on you a little bit too much with it's, that exposition and my grandma. And I'm like, it's always right, that man. hard thing of like trying to play catch up. We know so much about everyone else and mm. we want to catch up with him. So, yeah, sometimes it is um, sort of forced. Yeah. Um, there's, there's obviously he's the head of SG1, but every episode is like, oh, this is what Cam can do now and this is what Cam yeah. does next. And you're like, to their credit, too much they don't, on the nose for me. I think to their credit, That's though, I, I feel like they don't. I guess because they've never really done like there's not like a Tilk episode and a Sam episode and a de- like so there's not like it's not like you know eight out of the twenty episodes this season are Mitchell episodes where it's like you're getting to know Cameron and all that kind of stuff, uh, which I think is good because other TV shows have done that ones that I can't talk about or one well, they kind of turned off. They kind of do. He's got a couple in this season, like one or two that mm. are like real Mitchell heavy episodes. But I feel like if, out of 20, like two or three is not bad for a brand new character. But yeah, I think the flip side to that yeah. is, yeah, they, they throw in those little, like he, he has that kind of, what do you call it? Like the oldie, old tiny charm kind of thing where he's, you know, mm. from the, talks like he's from the South and my grandma and blah, blah, blah. And has these little cute turns of phrase. And it's like, okay, all right. He's maybe it's an Australian thing. Yeah, it could be. Oh, they probably, maybe they were trying to focus for that middle America, great white hope mm. type. Folksy. Dude. That was the term. That was the word I was trying to think of. Folksy. He's very folksy. And I use that term middle America, not really even knowing what it means. I imagine it's in <laughs> the geographic sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go Gators. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Is it geographical? Is it financial? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Class? Like, what are we talking about here, guys? Yeah. Hey, Brendan. Mm. If you had to name Robert C. Cooper's three biggest failings as a writer, what do you think they would be? Uh, I think the the retcon, oh, like the three specific things. Yeah, yeah. The things that he's known for. What is, on this podcast, what is the three things Robert Cooper is most known for? I think I could. Two of them haven't happened yet in <laughs> in the continuation of the show. Well, I would say like one is like bugs. Yeah, two, that's one we we pay out on. 
pretty yeah amazing. two two is retconning and then three yeah. and again this probably comes later on but would you say robert cooper probably has a little bit of a pension for like just repeating replicators repeating storylines yeah. repetition like- and yeah the repetition is the main one for me because cameron mitch yeah. goes through an awful lot of things that jack sam and tilk went through <laughs> and we'll we'll make kind of and then mentions and then when you- of those episodes when they come up but and then not to mention and that the, obviously I'm just gonna say replicators as well, you know. Well, that falls under bugs. No, with no time, with no concept of time. Yeah. Well, in um, terms of the series, he he basically admits his his repetition because if you think about it, what was what was the um? I've run out of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was the big you know high drama moment at the end of um, Avalon last week? There's a couple of people oh, getting they set, just was, walked away. Vala getting well, it was Vala getting set walked on fire, right? That was the big yes. that was the big dramatic moment. And then what's the Came big back. dramatic moment? What's the big dramatic moment at the end of this episode? Vala oh, and Daniel get getting again. getting burnt at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but it's this, two. It's two is, people getting burnt to the stake. This is what Robert Cooper says about it. I mean, and if anything, I'm the sick bastard for having thought up all this in the first place. But, but uh, that's a different issue, which I think you know we may or may not, depending on who you talk to, have gone too far in that particular sequence well, in Avalon. But what what I wanted to sort of point out is that I find it very interesting that here we are, one episode later in Origin, essentially repeating the same action as the climax of the movie. And and the repetition has a wrinkle to it in that now Daniel is there as well. But to see how a different director handles shooting, what is essentially the same scene again or the same sequence again uh, and the choices that he he made in in doing that so basically he's saying what I'm going to do is I'm just going to write the same plot points over and over again in every episode and just see what the different directors do with them and call it an episode balls in your court guys yeah this is the genius of my writing writing the same (laughs) thing and see whether someone else can make it different (laughs) wow it's almost like different directors interpret things differently based on their own skill set oh and experiences. God. Who would have thought, hey? That's weird. <laughs> the bit that I did like the most in this episode was when the aura came to the Milky Way was a nice touch because you kind of unexpected. It comes at a strange moment. Mm. But like you mentioned last week, Maddie, we don't see an aura stargate or whatever that, the Celestis galaxy, I can't yeah. remember the name of the galaxy. They haven't said it yet, but I think they always just refer to it as the Ori Galaxy. I don't know whether they yeah. give it a name. If they did, it'll just be like a one-off thing. Yeah. But we don't see the gate from there. Obviously, they have those gates. I can only imagine they look like the rings. But the um how quickly the guy they said, I'm from Earth. And he's like, Where Daniel Jackson's from. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Mm. Yeah. That's actually way, really cool. It's like information is just instantly shared between all of the ori like yeah they all just kind of know at the same time and then not only that from mitchell's point of view it's like hang on daniel's in a coma so hang on this worked this thing and mm. like obviously they knew that it was working because their heart rates were going crazy but yeah they, that was that was the one like, thing that I... daniel's shit up again <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing that was a little bit off for me was like and we've talked about it a lot in the same in the way that like we are we are as an audience the fifth member of sg1 so it's like we kind of find things out as the team does 
But in this episode, we already, because we've been with Daniel and Vala, we already know everything there is to know so far about the Ori. So mm. when there's that weird scene between Landry and Mitchell where they're like, oh, there's this weird guy that's shown up to this planet that's preaching about a new religion. It's got nothing to do with Daniel and Vala who are in that coma over there, but we need you to go and check that out. Yeah. And it's like, as, as the audience, we already know because we've already seen a Daniel story and B we've already seen that's a prior come through the gate. It's a very mm. weird scene where I was like, Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. It probably then, should have happened before the, you, we saw the prior come through. I almost would have wanted that, that whole storyline of that prior I almost would have wanted that to be like next week's episode, but yeah. I get, I get that they didn't do it because by then Daniel would have been back from his coma or whatever. And Daniel would have been able to tell us everything. So I kind of get it, but yeah, it was just a weird, even if that had started in episode two, like back in Avalon part two, before we'd been introduced to the Ori or the, like the priors, but then it's Mm. like the priors don't really seem to get dispatched until we, until Daniel speaks with the Dosai. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's a little bit sort of like, but it's weird because normally I watch this episode and I'm just like, I, no, watched, I think the aura was already and I love there it. before he sees, before he sees the docile. Cause it, it's straight. Yeah, the prior. It's weird, the prior rocks up to the Milky Way before Daniel sees the docile for the first time. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a little, but it's like the, it's like the prior knows who he is. So all priors know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a little choppy that way, but I don't really bump into it. When I'm, like I, I enjoy it as I'm watching it. I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is all because I know mm. the building and building. Like if this, if this was a movie on its own, you'd be like, huh? But it yeah. is just set up. It is just set up, you know, for the, for the larger stories. Yeah, it has I think to be. In the end, it does give us everything we need and also gives us, you know, Garak as, you know, another adversary for Teal'c and all that kind of stuff. Cause he's, he's side-eyeing him the entire episode. So just, and gives, I feel like, I feel like that, like I said last week, that, whole Garrick thing could have been avoided in Avalon and paid more attention to the ending of Avalon part two. Yeah. Because we could have picked up and and then Landry and Tilka talking about this Garrick guy that we still haven't seen. You know, there's been like three or four exposition scenes about Garrick, who had, yeah. who's the Jafar of a minor guy, old name, name I can't even remember, Morak or something. And then eventually you see him and he's... Oh yeah, what's so good about him? Why does everybody like him as opposed to Tilk, or do they still think of him as the Shova? Well, no, because like, after I probably could have gone into that a bit more. After um, Threads, there's that scene where it's like Tilk and Braytac are now bloodkin to all Jafar. That's right. So there's even that moment which I kind of like, where like um, Garak's offsider is like, he basically says the Jafar version of bitch what. Where he's just like, <laughs> what did you say, Jaffa? And Tilk gets really offended because it's like, yeah. you shouldn't be calling him Jaffa. You should be calling him brother. You should be calling him Tilk. Yeah, it was super disrespectful. And I was, and I liked the way that Tilk kind of like, you could see the hair on the back of his head stand out. Like he was just like, oh. Mm. You mean mm-hmm. the back of his Lego hair? What is doing with that hair? <laughs> <laughs> so the makeup lady just didn't know what to do after nine years. Oh, just kind of move it forward a bit. <laughs> yeah, I guess with Tilk, like I, I know that we know his story and we've been around and he's like boss five thousand that we've known for eight years, but still like to the Jafar, he's the ultimate took one for the team. Like he's the mm. personification of that, where he's first prime of 
basically what the head Gould system lord at that point and told him to go yeah. and f himself and mm. went and joined an unknown race of beings out in the galaxy <laughs> and yet everyone still walks up to him like yeah you ain't all that I'm like physically he definitely is and by legend and story yeah he is like yeah. what problem could you possibly and yeah. everything he prophesied turned out to be true everything he promised he ended up making happen he promised to free mm. the jafar and to kill every ghoul yeah. and system law that he could come across eight years on which in the grand scheme of things and how long one the ghoul have been around and how long they can all survive and how long the jafar have been under their control is a drop in the ocean and he yeah. got done and they're still walking around going yeah, you ain't shit and yeah. i'm like have some respect walking around on the jaffa new home planet of dakara one of the most sacred planets in all of their culture which by the way whose idea was it to take dakara away from the guawul and yeah. actually physically did it mm. tilt like they're yeah. on that planet with like because one of ship. him because of him they have that planet and yeah. those assholes try and disrespect him. It's like, come right. on, guys. That's why. That's why I think they could have gone into the whole idea that a lot of the Jafar, because they did verse the Tari, they still treat think Teal as the shoulder, which would have mm. made more sense to me instead mm. of just, oh, we like Jarek because you know we like his symbol or some shit. Like, there's no <laughs> real reason to like this guy apart from he has a few of Baal's ships. I feel like if. If Teal'c had at the end of like last episode at Avalon, if he actually had been like, oh no, I'm going to leave the Jafar nation to go and help the Tari fight, you know, this new threat or whatever, mm. because of the reason that he said about his fake reason about believing that, you know, ancient weaponry is the, you know, going to do it. That, I think that would be a good reason for the Jafar to be like, yeah, that's true. Them to, you've betrayed us. You've done all this. And now when we need you the most, you're going to leave us again. Like, yeah. And then he's saying, no, reason. no, trust me. There's a bigger threat and I'm yeah. going to need to fix that. With so I, I would, I would get yeah. the Jafar being pissed at him if he did that, but he hasn't really done that. He hasn't he's like, done nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's Apart fun. from getting free food from the SGC and wearing <laughs> tank tops, but for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> freedom freedom to jafar and jello for all like, vote one tilk absolutely that's why, why tilk never got paid it was basically just he did get paid but then they had to like he had just like an account at the at the yeah. commissary after every meal they would just take it out of his pay account to the point where mm. like he actually owes the sgc like tens of thousands of dollars yeah in your food money. bill over that nine years came up to seven hundred twenty-five thousand. yeah so, plus tax it's america guys you, yeah. you pay so much extra for also that you didn't have any health care so yeah <laughs> oh well, Til tilk didn't it? of all the that's the greatest thing that was the perfect thing of all the people in america tilk's the one person who doesn't need health care mm. no but then they made tritonin so pfizer got 60 oh yeah true. <laughs> <laughs> and first and then the jafar start like they start questioning the legitimacy of the of the, yeah. of the tritonin <laughs> <laughs> an anti tritona yeah it's gonna create babies with autism you know and stuff it's gonna like it's it's got all kinds mm. of weird shit the tritonin you don't want but that they didn't mandate it though did they that's it so. that's <laughs> it see it eventually stargate like the simpsons predicts yeah. everything yeah. um now okay old mate the the actual like jafar leader like it i love it what's his name again sorry um Garak. Garak, because I lost all confidence. Because I wrote it in my notes. Let's just call him Gary. Gary. Well, and I'll I'll get Australian name. 
there's a there's a there's Gaz. a great character on star trek called garrick um who's a tailor and he's he's fantastic and Jesus, he's basically- no, sorry he's garrick this is garrick, garrick. yeah okay because understandably my iphone i put you in say Garrett. great character like it's a fact it's so he, no he's he's a beloved <laughs> character by faith he's in ds9 he? he's in ds9 which you haven't watched you'd actually really really uh, like him i wouldn't have thought so <laughs> he's a spy <laughs> i don't know what that meant yeah. ruin it for me yeah. <laughs> no he's, he's a good character well, I um, wrote it into my notes and my iPhone corrected Garak to Gerald. Um, and then I'm like, oh, Gerald's it must good. be, it's, it's, that's right. It's like Geralt. And I'm like, no, that's, that's the Witcher. Um, I, I don't <laughs> yeah, remember. Maybe his that's name. why I kept calling He's him. Geralt of the High Plains. <laughs> yeah. um, for this Jaffa. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I noticed I the really... other Jarek guy, you know, the, the guy with the drawn on symbol, that looked whack. Mm. Mm. It looked like literally someone just put it on sideways. See, and see if I didn't. Garrick's oh, one. I can't. I don't even know his name. I'm going to I'd, call him the Witcher. Yeah. The, Witcher's, <laughs> the Witcher guys. What metal? Uh, the gold one looks sweet, but the other guys is whack. See, anyway, I was about sorry. to say if I didn't know better, and maybe I don't. I would. Sorry, sorry. Garrick. I'm really gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, the Witcher, right? So the Witcher comes. Okay, okay, fine. Okay, let's just call, call him. Just call him Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. No, 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 no. He's not Louis Gossett. I'm not going for the actual black man's name. I'm going for the English white man. Um, okay, the Louis Louis Gossett Jr. He rolls in and like he had the most sophisticated symbol. Like who did he used yes. to work for? Was it? Sorry. Oh, I didn't. I don't even. And take someone else, Maruk yeah. or something. Someone else we've never dealt with. A small time. He's, that's what yeah. was, was telling Landry. It's a small time. Yeah. He was like a I didn't even bother writing down. Someone else. <laughs> so we if never I didn't hear about him again, <laughs> if yeah, I didn't no. know better, I'd say that he made up that system Lord's name and that he made up that symbol so that he looked like a <laughs> Jafar former um, first prime to gain Formally access. Known as Prince Montu. <laughs> See Monty. that sound? That sounds yeah, made up, Robert Cooper. And yeah. it's just like you know, teal, little circle, little serpent head, sweet. All the other ones, very basic. His was like if Stargate was to get rebooted in twenty one ninety nine, right? It was like everything's gonna look really robotic and sophisticated, and uh, it just looked. It almost <laughs> looked. It almost looked too much. But the rest of him, it's like it's like two swords crossed, but then there's like a bullseye in the middle, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's weird. The rest of the look yeah. though. I actually dug because it was like all of the the Jafar, you know, modern, the armor and all that sort of stuff. And I guess what you would expect from someone, one who was a first prime, but is now the leader of his people, but also with this like ancient tribal warrior that us as earth mm. people are much more familiar with, almost like, you know, the fur sort of almost hanging over one side and, and all the trinkets and stuff hanging off it. So I actually... I kind of dug that look and it, whether or not it makes sense as, as a Jafar and it doesn't, um, you know, it, it, otherwise mixing in too much with some, you know, uh, older earth cultures, but just as a visual it, standpoint, I'm like, that looks really cool. It kind of reminded me of like the Jafar version of when um, James L. Jones rocks up as the King mm. of Zamunda in yes, yes, uh, coming yes. to America. And he's got that cool, like lion pelt. Yeah. Like over the, over, a over three the piece top suit. of his yeah, of his three piece suit just <laughs> yeah. adds that kind of you know that regalness and yeah, Gerak's outfit definitely did that. He, yeah. Like they could have easily cheated and just like given him like Braytac armor, like you know how Braytac mm. has that slightly older armor than everyone else. 
but it's like nah they gave him like fur and the yeah and the the chain and all that kind of stuff but yeah. then underneath all that you could still see that he was wearing pretty traditional jaffa armor mm. but mm. yeah just upped it a little bit I found it interesting too because you said in last week's episode that Louis Gossett Jr. was what the first choice or the other option for General Landry. He was just before... an option. Oh, he an was, option, he, right? He was okay. a consideration. Yeah, they, yeah, he was an option that they were considering. So I did you telling me that, and had I not have known that, I wouldn't have probably looked at it at all. But when he arrived uh, at the SCG, the person who went to meet him and greeted him Sydney first was <laughs> what did I say? Did I say it the wrong way? SCC, oh my God. Um, that Bo Bridges was the one that went up to meet him and it was like, <laughs> nice try, but I got the role. Nice to meet you. Welcome to my mm. base. When I say base, I mean my permanent role on this show. Come on, let's have a guest spot, shall we? And, um, you know, gets to walk in and I'm like, oh, this, like, what a, what a change, you know, like two and a half episodes ago worth of story. You're not in this show yet. Um, you're hoping to get a role. No, you don't get the role that's going to otherwise be the fifth lead. You're going to get maybe one episode. I don't know. I don't know whenever um, Louis Gossett Jr. comes back, if at all. But, um, you know, to go from potentially having this big stint to having a guest role that we're kind of supposed to hate is like a bit of a, a step down. There's also a great, he's got a great tie into the whole kind of Stargate lore as well, Louis Gossett Jr., given that one of his most prolific movies he's most well-known for is um, a movie he did with Dennis Quaid called Enemy Mine. And obviously you might remember that there was an episode of Stargate called Enemy Mine, which was I think we a, referenced the movie at some point. Yeah, in which was an yeah. Unus episode because the episode that Mitchell never went and watched when we did um, our rewatch of the first ones mm-hmm. is the first episode Peter DeLuise ever wrote for Stargate and he based it on Enemy Mine, the premise being a human and an alien stuck together, can't communicate, trying to find a way to live together. That's basically the plot of Enemy Mine. It's these two warring, um, there's humans at war with these aliens. Dennis Quaid, the human, Louis Gossett Jr., the alien, both crash land on like an asteroid and basically have to kind of work together to survive and have to learn how to trust each other and all that Mm. kind of stuff. So I kind of love that, you know, Stargate has shown its reverence for that film a couple of times now yeah. and to get the star of that film to come in and do some episodes of Stargate I just find really cool that is cool you you just saying that they're referencing the the first ones um just reminded me of a I think uh it's for, this is from Kevin Weaver he hit me up on uh, on Instagram I think he might have even written into the um to the mailbag but he hit me up on Instagram the other day and just said, apropos nothing, did you ever manage to watch the SG-1 episode, the first ones? <laughs> and I wrote back, I still haven't. Ha, ha, ha. Subconsciously, I'm sure I'm just doing it to piss Matty off. And he wrote back, well, he did like Emancipation unironically, so that's fair. He's all over Unironically? It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kevin. He's I like- know that. I was, so, I, I was more shocked than anybody. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> The podcast almost got called called off like three episodes. Yeah, like, like, let's, like, let's is this go for real? Where did yes. I think I think Reese too hit him pretty hard after a couple of episodes because he's like, is this a joke that I'm not in that Maddie yeah. likes this episode? Where but if you shit? if you go back and listen to that actual podcast, Reese actually said he liked emancipation. He's just been he just like basically <laughs> just leaned into it once you guys started giving me shit that for it. It was the third episode of Stargate he watched. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't... He said it was a good episode. It's the great Mandela effect of our podcast is that Reese <laughs> liked it, but the rest, like, we're like, no, he didn't. Maddie's like, yes, he did. And we're like, well, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> just want to talk about Montu for a second. 
I was trying to, I Googled Montu and it's an Australian um, based pharmaceutical company who works with can, cannabis products. Oh, hello. It's also so, the, 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 the Egyptian falcon god. Yeah, I know that, but I couldn't find that until I had to hit Google Images. Which ah, they, yeah, brought up see, that. That's just some good geotargeting um, right there from that company. They, that's they don't, right, they don't want you to actually find like ancient mythology. It's like, nah, our pot company's uh, sick. Hit us up. If they want to send over some illegal substances. Oh, yeah. It's still illegal here, guys. Don't forget that. Smoke wisely. Montu was a fictional god of war. As, as, as are they all. No, they're not, mate. <laughs> this is real. He was particularly worshipped in Upper Egypt and in the district of Thebes or Tebs or something like that, isn't Thebes. it? Sometimes they, Thebes. I know that that's how we say it. But mm. even, great even people. Over are. the last couple of weeks, where you know we've been talking about the Ukraine capital is Kiev, like the chicken mm. dish, and then we've since found out it's actually pronounced Kiev, and it's like, oh, um, I think very... the the Russian version is Kiev. That's why. That, that's why yeah. we've gotten it confused. Yeah. Yeah. And then people are saying, stop saying Kiev. It's un American or un Australian. It's like, mm. hang on. It's actually pro Russian. So what do you want to be? You fucking communist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I that's watched, that's I a watched slander that you. So I've known about this all along. That's a slander that you can't get. You, is fine to use. And I doubt will ever get, can, get you cancelled if you call someone a commie, you communist. Yeah. Like it's a decent insult and it's like that's well. that's because all Americans because they're typically the ones that get offended. <laughs> or did I just say that? Um <laughs> and they they've all been taught from a young age that communism is the the worst thing that could ever happen to the world, even though it's technically not really. Um so yeah, you can you can call someone a communist without anyone getting offended. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I hear like even just those terms, I don't think I'll ever not think about the awakening of Austin Powers when he comes out of cryo and he just immediately <laughs> assumes because he's been there since the beginning of the Cold War, he just assumes that communism won. <laughs> when he comes back out, he's like, Oh, hello, comrades. And they're like, No, we Finally, won. Those like, Catholic <laughs> pigs will pay for their crimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, Austin, we won. He goes, like, Yay, capitalism. <laughs> Ruby. <laughs> uh, so dumb i'd forgotten about the capitalist pig line oh shit oh man oh god hey for the crimes. austin we won oh movie smashing yay capitalism so good so good <laughs> And then it goes straight into a dick joke about yeah. penis and larger pump. Yeah. <laughs> straight away. Something for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was me as, a, as an 11-year-old when that movie came out going, capital, what? Like capital letters? Yeah. What is he talking no, about? Yeah. Commas? What? No. Oh, oh, penis enlargement. I get that, right? Yeah. A tube yeah. you stick your dig in. Yeah, I can I knew do what, that. Joke. I knew what comrades was and he's Russian. So yeah. <laughs> That must make sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing I, I actually really did like a, a particular line, and, and we haven't when well, we've spoken about it in the scene and that sort of stuff, but the um I'm just going through trying to find the line. I'm surprised it happened so early. It's at the barely the 17 minute mark, but I guess they'd actually met uh, a bit before that, the Dosai and Daniel, and having their sort of big melding of the minds and 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 comparing Ooh, their ideologies one. and uh, what? That's what, one. What is it? What did I? 
You just said a mind meld. That's a Star Trek term. Come on. Oh, man. Well, I get away Come with on, it because building like, of how, minds. Because how? Would, I mean, because how would I know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm innocent, baby. Actually, um, technically, you own more Star Trek films than I do. Yeah, I only own like four. Mm. Granted, I own about fifteen seasons of, of of it, but as far as movies go, but how yeah. many have you watched, Mitch? I think I've <laughs> opened one of the discs, uh, the cases. I've never watched any of them, um, yeah. but yeah, I've definitely opened one of the because I, I owned it for so long, and I'm like, I wonder if the discs are actually in here. It's kind of like Schrodinger's cat for me. I'm like, yeah. I bought this, I paid far less than it was worth, and um, <laughs> I'm not even it's sure. Paid far more than it was worth. Eventually, wow. it's gonna be it's gonna be like a scene out of um, Indiana Jones or something like that. You're gonna open it up, you're gonna go to pick up a disc, and it's just gonna to turn to dust in your hands. Yeah. yeah, just turn into crumbling into plastic. Yeah, yeah, just like that shattered glass. Yeah, that's what basically what it'll be. So no, I definitely haven't uh, watched any. I didn't know the reference, but uh, yeah, I, I there was a couple of like good lines and comparisons they were talking about. Obviously, you know, Daniel's coming with the ancient, so it was very in show. And I'm like, yeah, that's how you would. But then I don't know. I, I kind of just like this one very long line that daniel had when he was speaking to the doci what is a god but a being that is worshipped by those beneath is great knowledge power understanding not enough for you to revere the ori respect yes certainly but that doesn't mean i would murder innocent people in their name i guess what i'm trying to understand is whether the ori have spoken to you directly and told you to worship them or whether you've misinterpreted some evidence you found along the way and developed this religion on your own. I can't speak for everyone in my galaxy, but in my own humble opinion, I don't believe that any individual or society can achieve enlightenment through fear-mongering and forced servitude, no matter what power is presented as evidence. And that's something the ascended beings I know very clearly seem to understand. Don't get me wrong, I mean, we should all be trying to better ourselves. I mean, if, if ascension really is the ultimate end we're trying to achieve, then so be it, but we should all be allowed to get there or not of our own free will. Kill me for saying that, but that is what I believe in. Nothing you say or do will ever change my mind. That was nice. Yeah. Bit of classic Daniel gear. It Season was one that would have taken Daniel four hours to get that part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been the whole episode. But is it the right yeah, no, thing I... to do? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Very handsy. Yeah, back to when yeah. Daniel Jackson was really Italian. Um, yeah. I found I found myself thinking about that too. There were moments, maybe not in that particular line, but I think in that scene, where it actually reminded me of uh, James Spader, Daniel Jackson. I don't even remember why. It's been a couple of days since I watched the episode, but there were just certain deliveries or points that he made, maybe even just inflections on certain words. And I'm like, wow, that seems a lot like Spader. But then, like, yeah, just like you guys nailed. It, it felt very old school, Daniel, and even the uh, just I get not even the language he used, but just the I don't know the real the belief, the passion behind what he was saying as well. So, and he wasn't actually going at a hundred miles an hour like no. he usually does, trying to get out the exposition. Yeah, especially he sort of when he's talking. Speed, 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 and then stop at a real important point. Slow yeah. down, and then you know, I like this line, so I'm gonna act. Yeah. <laughs> Well. Yeah, especially when he's talking to a guy that like clearly, and we haven't even properly seen it yet, but clearly has power representing other people that supposedly have a lot more power. He was trying to rush through it so that he didn't get, you know, his head blown apart. But at the same time, he's like, well, no, I think you respect me enough to hear this. And, and at the same I time- I said enough just, of your rhetoric in that yeah. stupid book. 
<laughs> to get a pass. But even just like watching it to hang behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go read that for one. Have another apple, you dickhead. Yeah, kind of ruin this meeting for me. But um, just I don't know the way that works as a viewer thinking about our own religions in the world. Like that, it doesn't. You could go, oh, he's talking to Christians. Okay, well, he's talking to any. You know, that's us. He's talking any kind of religion out there it's like he's basically talking about extremism it's like yeah cool you've read the same book that i have but you're interpreting it a different way maybe through a certain lens based on the day that you read it and you are acting a different way and i think that i'm reading it the right way look we're both of them coming in the right way but i think we're, we're the end game is the same it's the way that we're getting there and nothing you say is going to change my mind and i'm coming and i just i don't know i thought while it's coming from a basis of real world religion it's going at it through the filter of a fictional landscape uh, to say something very real. I just, you know, hey, we gave a lot of shit to him earlier, but I actually really dug just that line and how it summed up both the in-world mythologies and the way that it looks at different approaches and also the way that it deals, I guess, with real-world religion. I don't know, something about mm. that, I just found myself yeah. absolutely... 100% focused and I, I stopped like I'm getting walking around the room yeah. territory here it, it, basically yeah I just found myself really engaged with what he was saying and and um, not at all distracted by anything that was going yeah. around me just that yeah well it's funny you say yeah. that because I did actually grab a bit of audio and it could almost be a, a separate podcast in the same way we did it with demons because it's just Robert C. Cooper basically talking about religion for like two and a half minutes because um, it's basically like this episode Again, I will go to bed <laughs> This episode did seem to get a little bit of flack from, you know, certain parts of the fandom because while Stargate has always kind of, you know, hung a lantern on the idea of organized religion is a little bit corrupt in a lot of ways, but the idea of spirituality and believing, there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of the fandom did seem to kind of feel like this in particular doubled down on like Christianity and Catholicism because of, you know, the, the fire motif and all these kind of things, they, they really did kind of feel like this, this in particular was bashing sort of Christianity and, and Catholicism. So that's basically what obviously Cooper was talking in the commentary about was him just trying to double down the fact that no, like he's got no problem with that. It's just, they're just trying to highlight the, the problems with organized religion versus, you know, just, you know, believing on your own. Yeah. And, and what religion can, can force you to do in terms of, you know, putting down other people because of what your beliefs are. Mm. Last night I watched Silence, the um, Martin Scorsese movie with oh, um, Liam Neeson. Spider-Man, Liam Neeson, Adam Driver, and um, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. And he's a good actor too. But yeah, it was based, basically the idea of Christianity in Japan and how many people just got absolutely tortured and destroyed over people's beliefs and that was so you follow the movie and you're so in touch with the character you're like no like even though i don't believe in an organized religion or god because i'm so in the character i was like yeah he's kind of because of his plight i believe in what he believes in that moment mm. and then like he was his suffering became you know he was suffering because of god but the japanese people who were christians were suffering because he believed so much mm. so that all they wanted to do is him to give up his religion more or less and and all these japanese people would be saved and it's just like it's amazing what you'll do based on what you think other people think 
mm. and that's what a lot of this a lot of this religion like especially when they start to burn Daniel and Vala again it's about it's it's not even the priors didn't even tell these people to burn them it was just like here we're going to build you this pit and you guys figure it out yeah yeah like <laughs> snapping the pool cue in half and go you know mm. it's, there's one spot open yeah, yeah. there's a so great quote cool. i've always loved it's and it, and it basically says you know if if you've got to try and convince someone else of your beliefs you're really just trying to convince yourself yeah like you know you can believe whatever you want like it doesn't mean everyone else has to believe you as well like when it comes to faith and, and all that kind of stuff it's like cool you do you but mm. if you try yeah, because the truth and- is that nobody actually knows that no, that's and, the whole, yeah, that's the whole point and, of faith is it's yeah. belief. It's funny too, you even saying that about silence and no matter what you think in the real world, you're watching a movie for two and a half hours and you're invested in a certain character and that can change, you know, just in that moment, you know, you're right into what they're doing or what they're believing or whatever. And I'll touch on something I think we've all watched, but maybe no one's up to date. Maybe it's people listening, but Afterlife. And I'm not talking about the last five minutes of the final episode or anything, but just something that is touched on in that last season. And obviously, Ricky Gervais's character is very much like him in real life. He's an atheist, doesn't believe in any of the afterlife sort of stuff, where he's married to someone who is who is religious and has faith. And it there's a there's, relatable for Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he has this flashback to to laughing about the idea that there is no heaven, there is no God, there is no afterlife to his wife. And I don't know whether she was sick at that moment or anything. And then he thinks about that in the in the modern time setting, and and he starts to feel really bad that he was always trying to convince her that he was right and that he just hoped that she was never she wasn't scared when she was dying because she'd always believed that she was going to go to heaven and live forever whereas he told her she wasn't and he didn't ever hope that even for one second that she lost her own faith and that maybe she was petrified that she was living her last very last moments for all eternity and i'm sitting there watching that with my wife and i'm like oh shit like that's kind of our situation like i'm not as not an atheistic sort of movement or anything but like i don't go out there spreading it as much or laughing about it even as much as uh, what ricky gervais might or making comment on it but you know the more I go to church, I start feeling more um, cynical and <laughs> watching stuff like Stargate. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's funny, yeah, religion, isn't it? <laughs> and then, you know, my wife doesn't practice religion as much and doesn't go to church every week or anything, but still has her beliefs and she grew up a certain way. And, and you know, I'm like, in that moment, I was like, you know what, I, I would always laugh about it. I don't ever belittle her beliefs or anything, but I will, in my own mind, maybe I do, but I don't think that I'm doing that and I don't try to. But I certainly laugh at the idea of certain things with organized religion and for the reasons that we said the idea that people just everyday people can use something that someone wrote you know in a book 50 years ago 200 years ago and go well that's why i don't like gay people or that's why i don't like people with different mm. skin than mine or something it's like because it's something that someone else told me about generations ago and i'm like mm, i'll stop you there so that's where i that's where i sort of draw a line but I, in that moment yeah just watching a certain character i take a certain approach i'm like oh maybe I should stop doing what I'm doing and, and just keep that shit in my own head because she's never going to convince me. I'm never going to convince her and it doesn't mm. really change our lives or anything. It's just, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting like that. Now, I, maybe that's why something like Daniel's line there sort of um, stuck with me because I'm like, Oh, that kind of makes sense. I think no matter almost what side of the fence you are on, on faith, whether you do believe on something or you don't, that still is relevant. And even, you know, my wife, she has, doesn't practice it and doesn't certainly doesn't believe a lot of things to do with it. But then if you really 
bore down and asked her a question, she would be like, yeah, I do believe. I'm like, oh, okay, because that kind of contradicts what you said the other day or the way that you approach something. And it's like, no, not necessarily. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm more in the middle than what I like to think of myself as well. So, oh, good. How, how good's fiction, guys, to make you question your real world beliefs and, and, <laughs> and practices? That's, I think that's what you meant to do. Even if I, I, I used to believe certain things when I was young, but then you grow up and you have experiences and you think, oh, it's probably, probably naive or stupid to think that way. Mm-hmm. And, and not saying that I believe in any of that, any of the man-made religions or anything, but probably agnostic more than, I think if you are definitely atheist, I think you're just as stupid as someone who's hardcore right-winged Christian. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, there's no definites. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what I tell my kids as well. They're like, oh, is there heaven? I'm like, truth is no one knows. If you want to believe in heaven, that's fine. And my mm. son talks about heaven and hell all the time. I'm like, well, I don't ever say, oh, don't be a dickhead. It's not real or definitely is real. Just let him, you know, figure it out, I think, as well. Because it's, yeah, it's a great way to do it's it. It's a complex, complex world. It was interesting walking around at uh, Christmas time. I was walking around with my uh, my nine year old uh, boy and my ten year old nephew, and they were talking about they must be learning about different mythologies at school and and different to each other as well. I forget which. I maybe Greeks in there, and uh, I said, "Oh, have you learned about Egyptian?" You know, obviously trying to get that Stargate nest egg going early, <laughs> and uh, and they said, "Oh, no, not yet." And I'm like, "Oh, that's that's a lot of fun." I'm trying to like include certain stuff. I said, "Oh, well, you know, the sun god is called this, and oh, there's a god for this," and. And then my nephew's like, oh, in Greek, you know, this is this God and all this. And, and my nine-year-old is probably not learning as much. And he's like kind of laughing at the idea that there's a God for everything. And they say, he goes, is that all real? And they're like, well, you know, we don't know. And he said, that's, that's, that's funny because, I mean, we know our God's real. And then my nephew said, yeah, yeah, we know our God's real. And I'm like, oh, and I just, I'm walking, but not engaged in that conversation. I just found myself laughing yeah. the idea that they they know enough to question the presence and and mm. uh, and aware of of many gods from other mythologies. And they, oh, well, why would you have a god for for because love? they learned about you... it when they're nine, not three. Yeah, but then they're like, oh, but our god. Well, no, yeah. he's definitely well, real. And then it's know? also yeah. the messaging. Like it's never oh, yeah. referred to. Like religious studies is never referred to as Christian mythology mm. or Catholic mythology or Judaism yeah. mythology. It's only you know all these these silly mythologies of the Greeks yeah. and the Romans. Greek, and the Greek mythology. Yeah, yeah, mythology. And, yeah. I think but that's no, where I'm religion, trying to start. Religion's real, obviously. I, I think I'm trying to start fires because every now and again I'll just refer to it as Christian mythology in a conversation, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, is this? I used is to this do the that. wrong crowd to do this to? Oh, yeah. Jesus!" <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're fables, aren't they? You can't think of any of those stories as literal. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. Right. Well, that's even thing. even they Daniel brings it up in this episode when he's look, reading the Book of Origin. Yeah. He basically says, you know, it's just it's a book of fables that mm. every everyone's supposed to relate to, you know, and can yeah. and can take a message out of. Mm. Yeah, and try to better your lives and your community based around those stories because mm. it's a shared story. Yeah, and then in the end, there was another great line by Landry. Uh, I guess after they've, you know talking about the the fact that you know there's some other weird shit going on the aura prize whatever's happening and uh and uh louis gossett jr shows up and he's sitting down and kind of gives the the very pc answer when it comes to i guess talking about any religion well it seems a, a missionary of sorts came through the gate yesterday and started spouting a religion we haven't encountered before i mean not that we 
have a problem with people exploring different faiths. <laughs> I just, I don't you know. There was just something, <laughs> it was just almost a bit of a like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, oh, not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Um, sort of, you know, Seinfeld sort of vibe <laughs> to it, but just like, yeah, yeah. no, oh, you, you can believe whatever you want. To. Don't, no, 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 don't, don't, don't worry about that. Yeah. It just sounded like, I don't know, the way whenever we don't want to talk about anything on this podcast, we're just like, oh, hey, there's no right answer. Everything's gray. Don't worry about it. So um, <laughs> it, I, I feel it. like Cooper would have originally written that line as, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> like yeah. literally just taking it straight and like, oh yeah, no. I feel like if um if O'Neill was still, you know, on the cast, he would have done it. He would have absolutely done it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then done that thing where he sort of looks to the side and then has a little confused yeah. look on his face. So he questions what he just said in the classic RDA moment. Why did the prior spontaneously combust? Like, because I always, uh, there was a weird shot in there where he just kind of disappeared and I was like, did he go back to use his aura powers to go back to the mm-hmm. aura galaxy or did he commit suicide? Like it's still, like I assume he committed suicide, but that's still not Well, yeah, because sure. otherwise, why did he use the gate to get to our galaxy? Like if he, yeah. could, if he could just, you know, poof or like did Merlin. He as, did he ascend or descend whatever the aura is? Well, I guess... That will be getting into the... into potential spoilers, I guess. Yeah, um, I just can't remember it. In terms much. of I haven't seen these two as much as the other ones. I guess. I mean, Mitchell's already seen these episodes, so I guess we can't really spoil them for. Yeah, it, but right? there's still listeners that. Haven't. Yeah, just in terms of you know the Let's idea watch. that when they talk about the Ori, the whole point of the Ori is Ori share their power. They say if you believe in us. When you die, you become mm. one of us, and you will be all powerful as we are. Um, okay, but yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah. So, yeah. in terms so of he the took prior, the cyanide pill to be with his gods. Yeah, to be with his gods, I yeah. guess. Okay. Which, again, I'm not sure why. Yeah, because he's pretty powerful, and he snagged his his aura stick back, and yeah. I'm like, well, basically, you could dial the gate. Or you could just walk outside or... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was... I guess you kind of have to apply the thought process of the Ori to it in terms of... I feel like that particular prior was never intended to go to the planet that he went to. Like, when we found out about Daniel on Earth, the Ori were like, oh, okay, we need to go and convert these people. So the or I went and popped in and looked at the Milky Way galaxy and probably at some point went, well, our, our prize are all powerful, but they, they can't compete with the Iris on the Earth mm. Stargate. So, and probably knew that a prior, even just, you know, walking through the, the Iris, which they could probably do if they wanted to, would elicit a very aggressive reaction from us. So by the prior going in the slow way and going to a different planet, and then us finding him and us willingly bringing him back to his planet, sorry, back to our planet, because it, it made it sound like in some of the dialogue that Pryor's entire mission was to convert the people of Earth. Earth was his, the place he had to convert. And Landry's like, you were never going to get a chance to preach to our people, mate. Never going to happen. Mm. Right. So his so mission's I, over. Yeah. So I wonder if the prize gone, okay, well, I failed in my mission. But I feel like he could have used his aura powers, his Jesus powers to get out of the. Oh, yeah, he definitely could. But that's out why. Out of the Sydney I, cricket ground and just <laughs> go straight 
yeah, he for could... some gullible pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah, but then that's what that's when I feel like it's like, well, okay, that wasn't his mission. He's failed his mission, so he's Just gonna one dude said he's so. gonna cyanide that's himself. Weak willed, bro. Yeah, <laughs> like if you think about it, like given the amount of Kool Aid. The amount of power these priors are supposed to have, he could have like just one-shotted the entire SGC and made his way up to the surface and that's what I mean. Yeah, done what he needed to do. He didn't even need to escape through the gate to a different planet. He could have just, you know, um, Mm. but you know, I guess it's one of those things that actually they reference it in the audio commentary. Jim Menard is probably the hardest person to um convert story elements. And and uh, Robert Cooper says at one point. If who? we could, Jim Menard, the director of photography, who was doing the audio oh. commentary with with Robert C. Cooper, he's right. always the one that's the basically asks the questions. It's like, well, why are they doing this, and and why didn't they just do this? Like he's like right. just you know throwing. Yeah. And Robert Cooper goes, if we could satisfy Jim Menard on every single thing that happened in this show, we wouldn't have a show. <laughs> like some things <laughs> just have to happen for plot. Um, so, um, so I guess that's one of those things where the, it just had to happen for plot, I suppose. Yeah. It did sort of th- have that one throwaway line where it's like, they said, well, the prize know that it's a one-way trip to our galaxy. Yeah. They, they don't have the power to dial an eight, an eight Chevron address. Yeah. I just felt like it was like, uh, a s- Mexican standoff and then the prize just gave up way too easy. Well, and it was weird oh, that it was I happening. Feel like, and now they're going to spend two years trying to get back to Earth and they already had a foothold. Yeah. And it, it was weird that um, it was happening in tandem as Daniel and Vala were being burnt. And mm. so it's like, would the would that prior know that was happening at that time? Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's I don't know. I don't know. I, the short answer is, yeah, I, I just don't know. But. It was yeah, cool. So I think it was it was cool to demonstrate that the the priors are willing to die for their for their beliefs. You know, yeah. they're willing to kill themselves. He was a, he was essentially a bloody um, what do you call it? Suicide uh, bomber. Suicide bomber. He was a bomber. Like yeah. if, if that had been a full blown explosion rather than just him bursting into flames. Yeah, like he was a kamikaze. That would have been cool. Um, <laughs> and killed the Witcher. <laughs> would have been a good reason for them to like do a um you know a lot of tv shows do like a, a late season revamp like you know in the, in the later seasons they want to revamp the set so they kind of destroy it and then yeah. do it would have been good for them to just like blow up the briefing room um yeah. and for free to have a sweet new two set. episodes time it to just be like fully kitted out and look real yeah, yeah. Uh, i liked it the first kind of real practical use of the vortex which I was impressed with. Yes, Cameron Mitchell about throwing the the device in there. Yeah, like making because like, we've hold talked on, about this. Walter, hold so on, many, Walter, yeah, don't, yeah. you know? Because nobody except really, even as the, as the audience, we didn't know what he was trying to do either. Mm. We just oh, he's just getting Walter to dial, so he's going to throw it through the planet, throw, throw it yeah. through to the other planet, as if that's going to make a difference. And it's like, oh no, it's the vortex is what he needed. Yeah, um, and he's like gets Walter to halt the dialing sequence so that they can, you know, they're there to be able to throw it into the coach. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I do like it how even though Cooper wrote it, it's Cameron's idea, and um, <laughs> <laughs> the also the the other nice thing was the joyride with O'Neill and Mitchell. Oh uh, yeah, <clears throat> in the um three hundred two. Yeah, 
obviously it's a physical handover from O'Neill to the new commanding officer of SG-1, but also yeah. I liked the contrast of the O'Neill and Shepard handover too in the chopper. Mm. From the yeah, very much gave me those vibes. Yeah, which was cool. Like it was obvious why they, that scene was in there, but it, it, there was nothing that I kind of was miffed about. Like, no, it was, it was Jack literally saying, you'll be fine. Like, yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah. So it's like just giving the blessing, which is good. Yeah. I yeah. did love the just the scene before that with O'Neill and Daniel. And it's like where well, you don't see that it's O'Neill. And Daniel's just like, what the hell are you doing here? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was a good line reading. Yeah. yeah. It feels weird because he, yeah, it was nice moments. And like the, you said, it was a, a handover. But otherwise, it kind of had no point. Like, you don't need that little point. But I guess for someone like O'Neill, you want a bit. You know, you, you always want a little bit more Jack. So it kind of felt like, well, why why this episode in particular? Why show up now? And I guess it just goes back to what you guys were saying last week, previewing this episode. It's not so much Origin, it's Avalon Part 3. And th- that would make sense if this was a Part 3 and you watch this as a two-hour movie, these three episodes, the fact that Jack shows up right at the end, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. You have that guy show up mm. and go, yeah, I'm still here and you know, I'm referencing the fact that I'm not going to be on the show as much anymore. And I am handing it off to this new guy rather than like, oh, well, in episode three or kind of episode two after the two part kickoff. Well, I'm just going to show up randomly at the end because I'm also here to film my stuff for episode five or whatever they might be getting him for if they're getting him at all. I don't know. I'm just thinking about the way that they used him in season eight. But um, yeah, it goes, I think, to more to strengthen that idea that this is really a part three of Avalon than it is a standalone episode. And yeah, you just get that little Jack cherry on top to say, yep. This is this is that you know the the rock and the Arnold Schwarzenegger in that movie. It's like, hey, yeah, have fun with it. You know, you this is this is yours now. Mm. I'm I'm kind of retired. I'm kind of getting too old for this shit. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do kind of wish they they leaned into it a little bit more in the first episode, like because there's that moment at the end where Cam's like, you what 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 we're told basically is this is the first time he's been in a 302 since his accident. Mm. And mm. I kind of wish they'd lean into that more. Like maybe that could have been a part of his backstory is it's like, well, you know, he was too afraid to get back into, into a 302. And that's why he ended up being sort of moved over to being like the leader of an SG team. But then Jack takes him up in one to be like, you'll be fine. You're going to be mm. fine. You know, if you, if you can overcome your fear of getting back behind, you know, the controls of a 302, then you're going to be fine leading SG1. Mm, you know yeah. might, might have been a nice character moment sort of to add to um mitchell rather than hearing more about his grandma and and to add yeah. i guess on to the, the real pressure situation of him in the uh the underground the merlin thing with having to solve the riddles like he's already been in a life or death situation so it's almost like he would have already proved that he can do the job that he's been tasked to do go there and lead sg1 but in his own mind well if i can't fly a ship then i'm not a i'm not a complete man but mm. then at the end he gets to fly the ship because the guy that gave him the job of sg1 is up there with him going i'm going to put my life in your hands so you go up and fly me i know that you can do it so go prove it you're right it actually would have been a nice little story arc that would have spanned across i guess two separate stories considering it's not part three of uh, of avalon so mm. Anyway, goddamn Cooper. See all the some of the good stuff in the middle. You know, we're just gonna bookend this yeah. with. He's just not a good, he's just not a fan of character growth. <laughs> like like we said last mm. week, it's like it would have been the perfect opportunity for some character growth from Vala. 
we don't really get it. Yeah, like, I found there is that nice that. moment at the end where, and it was in the commentary apparently, like when Vala undoes the bracelets at the end, there was some stuff to be said there. But I think maybe even Claudia Black and, and Michael Shanks as well just said it actually plays that better if she doesn't say anything, mm. um, which was kind of nice. But she had to get burned at the stake twice <laughs> um, to get a no line scene of her mm. undo like undoing something she did. I'm like. I would have liked a little bit more growth than that. I mean, those poor people. What was it, Ferris and somebody? What was Harry and Salas? Yep, those. When Harry, when Harry met Sally. That's right. So they come too, and they are half on fire. Like, what is going through their minds there for a second when they wake up after what? When when did we, they were previously what asleep in? uh in their own house um or sitting around eating breakfast when daniel and vala took over their minds and bodies and yeah because there was that one weird moment where yeah when when daniel and vala found the stones from that other non-believer and all we see in on earth side is like daniel waking up and grabbing like lamb's arm or something like that but we don't know how long he was conscious there for if he communicated anything Mm. You know, I think she they, said it was just a second and then they passed out again. Yeah. yeah. So um, but guy, yes, essentially, Harrod and Salas just kind of woke up on fire. He's having a bit of porridge, <laughs> right? Just sitting around there having a nice, like, lukewarm cup of mm. tea. Yeah. Then everything goes black. He wakes up. He's looking at this. She's squeezing her tits. Yep. Have a good day. Yeah. Having, having <laughs> some fun. And then goes back to sleep, wakes up, and he's on fire and he's like yeah. this poor bastard i know he's a heretic anyway like he didn't put he's a non-believer he deserved it but he deserved yeah. it according they to had it coming. They no had leader. Coming. he was gonna die in his own right way right I he was dying he's in heretic. his own time and all of a sudden he's like well you know what let's just say he says to his wife what was his wife's name salas salas he says to salas let's let's have a day off this anti-religion bullshit okay you and me yeah. are gonna go and have a picnic okay we'll hide the nice... stones in that book under the bed oh, we put them there talk about them today. don't even think about them it's like when kids go and get babysat don't talk about the kids at dinner right let's be let's be focused on ourselves let's be our best versions of ourselves let's focus on our relationship all of a sudden their minds get taken over then they wake up and they're on fire like you poor (laughs) bastards let's let's just have a you know put on that sexy dress that puts your boozies out put that on and we'll just we'll just sit around the house and let's pour one out for harry and sally eh? (laughs) oh great people just, just a little bit apparently um originally like when they're sort of taking over their bodies back their bodies and they're on fire they spoke they were originally going to look at each other and they say i love you harrod i love you salas and it was supposed to be left kind of ambiguous in was that harrod and salas or was that daniel and vala saying i love you to each other mm. but then why they just they say that then they yeah well then they that's why they took it out they just mm. realized it was just too soon to try and do any of that kind of stuff and um mm. yeah and just went nah we'll we'll leave it out I would have liked that in the on the audio commentary and Rob Robert C Hugh going uh, originally there was this line by the writer put it in that I uh, said I love you and it was meant to be left ambiguous we cut it out it was terrible. And then Brad Turner going, aren't you the writer? Yeah, anyway, let's move on. People don't want to hear about what was written in the script, right? No, it's just, uh, Actually, so we don't want to here. hear this stuff. I'll play you one last bit where um, he just he just makes excuses for everything. Like someone will say something, why this didn't happen? And he just makes hey, excuses. Why don't you write a pilot? Yeah, basically. 
Have a listen to this. This this scene is very interesting for me because uh, we originally talked about and the concept for the the priors was uh, besides their look was the the idea that they were um, they were going to be blind. blind. Essentially, they could they were blind but could still but see. All seeing. But all seeing. We kind of lost you know track of that as the series you know war as, as season uh, nine wore on. Uh, there wasn't I guess at, in the beginning there actually wasn't sort of the director's guidebook of the all-seeing thing, because I know there no. was discussion on set with the setting eyelines and things. Well, the truth <laughs> is that that uh, all of this came about very quickly. I mean, yeah. we didn't get picked up for season uh, nine until the end of December, you know, oh, uh, four, and so we were writing and, and, and producing and developing and casting these shows in an incredibly condensed period of time. There were so many things. And as you know, you know, when you're doing season eight and everything is old hat and you, you kind of know how to shoot certain things, certain sets, certain actors, the mannerisms, it's, you, you've got a flow to it. And when, and when suddenly when everything's new, when props are new, when, when you have new wardrobe, yeah, there are always issues. The start of Avalon, he talks about how boring Stargate had gotten because it was just like, we've ended the show three seasons in a row. Like, <sighs> we're done with the good. I'm going to do... Just leave the show then, babe. All new just... characters, all new sets, all new storylines, all new characters, blah, blah, blah. And then when, you know, Jim Menard just slightly mentions, it, oh, yeah, we didn't really get a breakdown of, of the prize and whether they were actually blind. And it was like... Well, you know, it was just we just didn't have time. You know, if, like if December, if, no. if we'd kept things the way it was, it would have been fine. But we created all these new characters and all these new sets, and just didn't give us time to fully flesh them out. It's like, mate, you're the one that did it. Yeah, we noticed. Uh, um. <laughs> it's like when I was saying last week, where um, there wasn't even a character breakdown for Landry. The character breakdown was general. And that was mm. it. Wild. Truly, truly well. I don't know how that man got into power on that show. It still baffles me to this day. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> it's it. time for the Get Into Gate Airy Mailbag. Yeah. Yeah, we got to let you do that solo there because over Zoom, this shit doesn't, yeah, doesn't work in work. sync. So um, no. I've got a couple of reviews here I want to mention. Um, five-star review from Augustus Skin. Sure. Yeah, I'm Is happy with that. Soft G. S C H K I N. Skin. Skin. Yeah. Funny that's and on, irreverent. That's what's on the end of my penis. Is my Five skin. stars. Fantastic job recapping a tremendous show with silly humor. Thank you. It's like taking an anti Adderall. <laughs> Are there any plans of translating this show into English? <laughs> I, like it. I like it. No, like at all. <laughs> oh, no. Got a message from uh, Braden uh, just regarding last week's episode. He says, the latest podcast was great. I was curious how about how you'd feel about the season nine reboot. Something curious, however, you talked about Jack and why he would join the military if he, was always, if he always liked sticking it to the man. Interestingly enough, I worked with quite a few special forces operators and pilots over the years. Um, many of them would be considered non-conformists. The special ops community is so set apart from the regular military that characters like Jack are more believable than you would think. In fact, they recruit folks that wouldn't function well in regular military precisely because they need out of outside of the box thinking. Or they want to well, shoot there people. there you go. Now, I remember the... Um... 
I remember back in whatever it was, season three or whatever, and they had the real general from the Air Force, the the main Oh Jack Jumper or whatever he was and stuff. Yeah, I can't remember what episode. I think it was the the um general mustache episode, maybe. Maybe not. Any either way, I think O'Neill was saying, is there anyone that's kind of like me? And he's like, yeah, you wouldn't even actually believe how many there are. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, I should have said that last week, I guess. That would have saved <laughs> old mate Brayden. saved Brayden the time. Sorry, Brayden. My bad. I wasn't listening to Maddie again. <laughs> Shut <laughs> <laughs> So I mentioned Lincoln uh, earlier in the episode. He, over the weekend, at the time of recording this uh, podcast, was at our Melbourne Supernova. So it's our own little, you know, if you're from outside of Australia, our own little miniature comic cons that we have uh, in uh each city, our own little yeah. Cons. Lincoln's doing the con circuit. He's doing really he well is. with it too. So uh, he's. I get, I get to hear the stories that like that don't have all the f bombs and yeah. c bombs in them. Like, the cleaned up versions. The cleaned up versions. Yeah. Yeah. You like tell the real story, and uh, <laughs> he sent us a video to just our group DM on the weekend, and it's a selfie video. And I thought, oh, okay, this is just purely for us, but it ended up having something that was going on behind <laughs> the camera that we we weren't aware of. So I'll play some audio from the video. Yeah, the f***ing boys. So I'm here at the Melbourne Supernova and this f***ing legend named Amy's just come up and she's went, all right, she's come to say hello. And she goes, it's good to meet another Stargate fan. I was like, stop it. She goes, nah. And then she goes, oh, I saw that you were a fan underneath the podcast. And I go, hey, wait, 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 wait. So the podcast, you feel like getting into gay? She's like, f***ing yeah, she loves a f***ing podcast. This is Amy. Hi. So we're going to give her a shout out in the next recording. <laughs> yeah, legends. <laughs> Amy. To Amy, yeah, going up to see Link, uh, who obviously has been on the podcast a couple That's of hilarious. times. hilarious. I was not expecting her to be there. because No. <laughs> he's that is he's so just wild. Like, I mean, as, as you can tell there, if you the are listening, he was saying, uh, oh, the, uh, the amount That's of uh, beeping and censoring I just had to do in that little edit. That, uh, <laughs> he's doing all that going, yeah, the effing boys. And she's <laughs> right. He's like, hang on just a second while I do the shout out to you. Oh, I love it. I loved it so hard. I imagine that she didn't even stop finish explaining. Amy didn't finish no. explaining what it was. Hang on. Yeah. And he's already recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she just said Stargate. He's like, hold on everything. Hold on. Let me record. Hold on. <laughs> um, he did also say later on, he I don't think he gave a name, but he said he ran into someone else uh, who was a fan of the podcast and actually has um, some Get Into Gate merch. He has one of our shirts. He'd Newcastle, come from, from Newcastle and he'd mm, um, yeah. flown down to Melbourne for the con um, and was going to wear the shirt to the con order and forgot and had left it in his suitcase. Um, that would have been wild to see like a get into gate shirt out like at a con in the wild it would just be because <laughs> the, the main photo that i remember when you say in the wild very much in the wild someone uh one of our american listeners i presume I, I think he was a local to america but he was in was he going for for a stroll in like the grand canyon somewhere like he was and he sent us a photo just like literally in the middle of nowhere by himself wearing a black get into gate shirt while he's in the middle of the desert, uh, right. which, which I really appreciated. But Lincoln mentioning that there was that fan from Newcastle who traveled with the shirt, but left it back at the hotel. I'm like, you know what the next step of this is getting Lincoln to wear a get into gate shirt when he goes to supernova. Oh. Now look, he's a good looking yes. kid. He's up on stage. He wants, to, he wants to be wearing the right threads. But you know, if he's there for these a good than quality, we should, do, we should, yeah, we don't necessarily have to do the Patreon one that kind of just has the four of us on the gate. We could get one of the ones that Brennan made up for um, 
what what site did we get those done through brennan the like the, teespring teespring we could get one of those sort of more subtle design ones where like only people who know will know mm. even like i have one of them to get is pretty niche like that's <laughs> yeah. a niche but that's, you know, that's just the that's, idea. Otherwise, you'd think it'd be Stargate. Like, oh. Just yeah. the idea of Link being up on the stage at a con with a shirt that just says Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> would be awesome. Um, I actually a couple of times now because I have our Patreon shirt, and a couple yeah. of times when I've worn that out, people have gone like when I go to buy something at a shop or something. People go, "Oh, I love Stargate." And I don't even realize that it's like I'm wearing a shirt with my own face on it, like that it's us. Yeah. They just, all they see is SG1. They just see the team. They don't even see that it says get into gate or see that Yeah, it's that's us, cool. Um, which is kind of fun. But um, might get actually, some trouble for our copyright, but uh, yeah. if it's that good, but yeah, good. <laughs> Great people. I actually did want to get, I wanted to do an Atlantis version of that shirt. Uh, that has all of us as Atlantis characters, but has um, Lincoln in it as Ronan, as Ronan Dex, just because he loves Momoa so much. Yeah, you don't have to convince him of that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I might still do that. We'll see how we go. My wife till season, well, once we're further into season two of um, of Atlantis. Got a YouTube comment here from Jake Neal. Sorry. From Jake Neal. Probably the best podcast in the world. That was full circle. So I'm imagining he's saying, in the world world <laughs> nice yeah i'm imagining also this is a two-star review whoa oh yeah now we're talking all right this is from username fan from oklahoma great people in oklahoma i've always said that oh, um too much I, I sometimes i say just settle down in the oklahoma love brendan <laughs> yeah you have said that occasionally i'm like mate <laughs> let me be for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> what a man love. This yeah. is just, <laughs> just singing the this is singing the tunes from the musical, just non This is a two-star review from Oklahoma. So I'm a ma- I'm amazed um Oklahomans. Is that o- Oklahomos? O- Oklahomos. Know, Definitely o- Oklahomos. They can only count to two, so that makes sense. Two stars. <laughs> Not for me. That's fan from Oklahoma. Well, he's not ruling it out for everybody else. No, God, no. That's good. Well put together podcast, good sound quality. Wouldn't have thought so. Has a specific (laughs) target audience that I'm not a part of. I found a lower sound quality Stargate podcast that's much better in my opinion. Well, thank you. I mean, there's there's a lot. If you're going to give us a shit review, please, like, you got to get into us a bit better. Be more clever, like. Like stick, stick, like you know, yeah, roast us, yeah. Mm. But there's just there's just a lot to unpack there. So, from fan from Oklahoma, obviously not Great a fan people. of us, not a fan of us. Like, but screen name I fan am. from Oklahoma, not a fan of us, not a fan from us. No, um, has a specific target audience that I'm not a part of. Mm. Our, ta- our target audience is Stargate fans. No, it's dick-loving alien. <laughs> I've always gone in thinking our target that's my, audience. That's my target audience. My target audience has always been people who watch Stargate. <laughs> or want that's, to get into, who want to get yeah. into gate, right? Yeah. Like, you know, into it's with so, very open. So Fan from Oklahoma doesn't identify as someone who enjoys or wants to enjoy Stargate. So probably, yeah, not not really going to like the podcast Listen, if that's the case. And has found another Stargate pod- podcast that's poorer quality that they enjoy more. 
So that's There's plenty of them too. A lot to unpack. The, um... <laughs> well, Listen. well put together podcast. Let's just go over it. Well put together podcast. Good sound quality. I found I mean, a lower sound we're quality. On, we're on Stargate Zoom at the podcast. moment. Like it, we, yeah, we even trash. we know it gets better than this, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if you just cut out the target audience part in the middle, it's well put together podcast. Good sound quality. I found a lower sound quality Stargate podcast <laughs> that's much better in my opinion. That's like, right, you're going to a restaurant. It's like, this is a really nice restaurant and they make really nice food. It's, I'm not part of the people that they're targeting, like people that want to mm. eat nice food. I've actually found a shithole place that serves up really piss poor steaks. That's kind of my <laughs> joint. That's more my jam. I'd rather yeah. get a Big Mac smashed like, into my mug. Like I want Taco Bell, but I'm going to go to like a high end, you know, fancy five star restaurant that serves like messy confusion. Mm. I'm going to walk in and I'm going to go, not for me, not mm. for me. And I'm going to go and get that Taco Bell that I wanted in the first place. Yeah. And shove it in my giant pussy. The not for me, two-star review. I'm surprised we haven't had more of these. Very true. Honest. Look, yeah, we are we are very much an acquired taste. Mm. So I get yeah, that. Even from each other, we are an acquired taste. <laughs> <laughs> Some podcasts were like, the best thing about it, like even if we got salty at each other, you can't tell from... I can't tell re-listening if we were angry at each other. Oh, I, I can in a couple. In a couple of season four episodes, I can tell. Oh, where you got... No, there was one where you got really angry. Yeah, yeah. No, there was one where I got I got very much in my feelings about it. And, and then, then Lincoln I, was like, so cringy to on? listen back to now. It's, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. mommy and daddy fighting? I pitch, fucking settle down. You're at a 10. We need you at a 2. Like, oh, yeah, that was embarrassing. And then I made things worse Uh, by saying to Maddie, hey, if they're really trying to get you to lose your shit, it's because we love you more because that's just what we do. We've got friends from school that we, almost every time we see this mutual friend of Brendan and I, we bring up the fact of when we were overseas and we hammered him Oh, every God. day for 21 days to the point where he hit a random stranger with an umbrella that walked past us. <laughs> I've actually uh, I've heard that story. About and, then to- and then when we told him, yeah, he said she effing deserved it. And he'd never seen this woman before. So to that point, he woman, wouldn't normally say that. Either. Oh my God. No, oh. never. Like he's the most lovely man. That is one of my favorite reviews because it's not, you know, we, we get one stars and it's like, uh, someone's just trying to be, controversial um mm. but a two stars actually like that's that's very good and to the point where i'm like two stars and i'm not sure how much of that is being serious and this isn't us trying to focus on a negative thing like i couldn't care less but this is it's just the brilliance yeah. of it is in the confusion and not knowing where the line is and so i've got to commend fan from oklahoma um mm. great people and continue yeah to i mean they'll they'll never hear us talking about it so yeah Maybe they've got they found that um, podcast that uh, someone else told us about um, a few weeks ago, the the podcast where they they where they think first commandment is when um, SG one started getting good. Maybe maybe that's more there. That's their his jam. I yeah. like Stargate yeah. podcasts that like shit episodes. That's what he actually <laughs> meant. Yeah, shit quality, shit episodes. That's my podcast. Yeah. And yeah. if they don't, if they don't give me three reasons every podcast of why Robert C. Cooper mm. is the greatest sci-fi television writer of all time, <laughs> I'm just not listening anymore. <laughs> yeah. If they don't, if they don't vote Grace the greatest Stargate SG One episode <laughs> of all time, I'm not listening. <laughs> uh, 
Hey, hey, hey. It's Mitch trash, and I had guys. fun in that one. Mitch we and I had fun in that podcast. Yeah, I'm glad I skipped it because someone mentioned it the other day. I was listening to your Grace episode and I'm like, uh-oh. And I'm like, oh, no, I wasn't in it. That's right. That's probably good. Brennan, did you, Brennan, did you Brennan ever went listen out. to the podcast when it came out? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was pretty oh, good. Oh, there you actually. go. Yeah. There's no swearing or profanities. Brennan went out there and hammered a nail into his own tire so he couldn't drive <laughs> to the studio that day. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Look at these three perfectly hammered in nails into my tire. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then I hammered one into my foot because I'd rather do that than talk about that episode. And then, ironically, Mitch was the one that made the most controversy out of that episode with his tweet, with his tweet promoting oh, it, just set people off. Yeah. yeah, God, you are you are a fiend for that shit, Mitch. Uh, after just a that, Twitter I, troll. I've always after that, I, after that, I had to get all real PC on it. Going, yeah. well, some people don't like this episode, but other people do. So let's just call it a grey episode. Like it's just so <laughs> yeah. boring. Um, it's the equivalent of um. Hold on, where is it? While you pull that up, it just that just <laughs> that whole concept. I don't know if anyone's watching, and probably not. I hadn't in many years, but I've been hearing people talk about um South Park. Uh, a recent, they must have had a delay of their new seasons. So they actually made like movies essentially. I think they were 60 minutes or touch over, and they were to deal with um, COVID. And it's like South Park post COVID. Anyone who's seen these, they've been out for a couple of months. This is nothing new for those that haven't. And it's about when COVID's finally, like the pandemic's finally over, and it's like 25 years in the future. And Oof. one of the early scenes, they're watching a late night talk show. You wouldn't believe it. One of the the host's name is Jimmy because, of course, it is. And Jimmy comes out there, and he's like doing. He can't do anything but PC humor. So he's like, "Huh? I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you one thing about those Asian people. They are wonderful folk." And the crowd just like <laughs>, laughs, and yeah. that's all he does for three minutes is just set up to what seems like it's going to be a really yeah. controversial, sexist, racist joke, and it's just a lovely yeah. fact about people and it's yeah. because well that's that's what it's all humor can be in 25 years because we can't laugh mm. about anything yeah everything's so controversial here's, here's the perfect setup for a joke for that is um a multinational non-denominational person walks into an uncontroversial unconvi- un- establishment <laughs> <laughs> why did he have to walk what if he- <laughs> that discriminates against the differently abled you're an ableist mate something else we've been called the Trump supporters hate us because we talk about the left wing and then the religious people hate us because we talk shit about religion. Then we are actually called alt-right for some reason. Like so alt-right. Mm. We've never and, been called uh, alt-left. We've just been called leftists. But then to the lefties, mm. we're called alt-right. And yeah. we were home really I that review like was tongue-in-cheek and I'm pretty sure it was. I, um, I, I, I think about it every night just before I go to sleep and I sleep like a f***ing log. <laughs> God, yeah. I just put the Cooper commentary on and just drift off. (laughs) Mm. Get in the gate, can recommend. Yeah. (laughs) All right. That's episode 192 of Get Into Gate, Stargate SG1. Take a break for a week, guys. You know, just sit back there in the Milky Way and, you know, you've, you've, you've had a little introduction to the Ori. We're going back to Pegasus. We're going yep. back for what yep. season two, episode two, which mm-hmm. of course is called The Intruder. Oh shit! Thank you for knowing because I don't. Oh boy, I knew I I knew to be prepared. <sighs> I'm back. So what do you what do you think, Mitchell? Based uh, just on the title, could the Intruder be one Jason Momoa? 
Um, I mean, it could based on the title. I believe it isn't because of previous comments made on this podcast about what episode to expect. Even. I just like to keep you guessing, buddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, just, uh... you know, counting down, counting down, I think until I know when he's coming, but I want to see who that intruder is. So uh, I'm just, I'm keen. I'm keen to get back in. Like I'm being excited yeah. watching season nine of SG1 again because uh, it feels very fresh. And then now I'm back into... Mm. Uh, SGA, which is definitely new. So I'm yeah. I'm a very selfish Stargate watcher at this stage of the podcast because it all feels new to me. And that's a very cool feeling because yeah. everything from here on out, I've essentially not seen. I've got bare minimum memories of mm. season nine and 10. And most that's probably the season finales of both season nine and 10. And then nothing of SGA, certainly nothing of SGU. So everything's fresh and then god willing somewhere along the line of covering all those episodes we will get news if not fresh episodes of something new as stargate and so i will have been from this point on a new stargate watcher and you get all these fans that are listening to us right now of the show that you're going we've been waiting for something new for seven or eight goddamn years and you you son of a bitch have been watching this show for 25 as well and you're still watching it like a fr- first time yeah. viewer you bastard it's like that meme i sent you the other day where it's like you know you, you finally show your kid um infinity war and then it's mm. like well now you have to wait a year to yeah. before before i let yeah. you watch end game and it's like why it's like because we all had to <laughs> we'll make you i feel suffer. like doing that for rings i've, I've thought about even when you, you say that infinity war thing just really screw with my kids make them watch infinity war and it's like when can we watch endgame and i'm like in five years you're gonna experience <laughs> this in real time you're gonna suffer through this like captain america yeah. did god damn it but yeah well speaking of hopefully flicking over to the intruder now should feel natural for you it's kind of you know i've had to play around with the episode order a little bit but I feel like this is where the intruder naturally would sit, given just mm-hmm. what's happened in Avalon Origin. So I'm, I'm yeah, keen and to I get do blame, more... I do blame Cooper for not making this Avalon Part Three. Yeah, <laughs> but there's that. Yeah, so I'm interested to see, um, Mitchell, what you think in terms of when you watch the intruder, if if timeline wise, it all kind of feels feels right to you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I look forward to that as well. Just to get, I don't know. I like even though I'd never seen anything past the pilot of SG one, I think because I had dipped my toe into episode, uh, sorry, season one. And I knew at least a couple of the characters. I felt like I had a grasp of season one for some reason. I don't know why. Whereas now it just feels like sky's the limit. So I'm actually really excited to, mm. uh, to get back into it. So even if I have to wait, even one more episode to see Jason Momoa, we'll see. Uh, and even then I'm like, I'm, I'm watching, what many experience him to be the first Jason Momoa you ever watched. Whereas by now I've seen him as Carl Drogo. I've seen him as Aquaman. I've seen him as a hundred other things and him be the boss that he is. And now I'm going back to the start with all this like experience, love of this guy, real world and fictional to go. Arguably arguably his most boss role, I would say. Yeah, I agree. It's his best character. It's it's Carl Drogo without all the rape, you know? Hmm. Hey, let's write the Some better. That's, say... that's what we believe. Anyway, the <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Aquaman without all the fish. Yeah, yeah. I watched I watched about twenty minutes of Aquaman and had to turn it off. It was trash. Ah, it's not too bad. They had that Getty image up on the poster. <clears throat> oh yeah, I remember oh, that. Oh, the sharks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> 
which didn't mind the opening. I thought the opening was kind of like, which always always surprises me with Nicole Kidman. I'm not a massive fan of hers, and if anything that I watch mm-hmm. hers gets me, I'm like, well, this must be good. The fight so, scene was good. Her fight scene was really good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, and you know, like you know, in old Tamora Morrison's your dad, Nicole Kidman's your mom. It's like, God, you got to be all right, don't you? Hey, yeah. hey, just a just a good sort of Australian New Zealand mix. You know, it's kind of the well. Best obviously, of... you're gonna look more like your dad because you've got no idea what your mother actually really looks like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial. <laughs> Until next week, you can check out all of our podcasts. Blah blah blah. Just search "Get Into Gate" on your favorite podcasting outlet. Check us out on YouTube as well. I mean, that's uh, oh, that's dear. there. That's there for your viewing pleasure, your listening pleasure, and you know, I mean, that's if you're forever. listening to this in 2027, then mm. that's where you're listening to us. That's it. Like, <laughs> podcast? What? We live under our Google Lords and YouTube is our religion. So that's where we are. And we're glad you're still here with us. Um, even though some of us in the podcast are no longer. I'm just making that prediction just in case. I mean, there's a good yeah, chance yeah. I'm dead in five We've years. We've been so. cancelled. That's it. I'm, I'm speaking purely my death. So, um, yeah. you know, this whole podcast, I've been eating uh, potato chips and uh, drinking soft drinks. So um, that's how I'm living my life at 11.20 p.m. on a Monday night uh, when I'm getting oh, yeah. up at five o'clock in the morning. I ran out so, of scotch, um, so otherwise I'd be smashed. I'm running <laughs> on a, bourbon on a Monday last night. night. It's a week yeah. before payday. I've, I've, got, I've got COVID at the moment. I probably shouldn't be hammering bourbon, but like, you know, what else am I going to do? I'm stuck at home for 10 days. Everyone in this mm. house, well, five out of six of us have got coronavirus. So, what else am I going to do but, you know, drink and eat shit? I mean, other than just rest and get better, yeah. of course. I'm the same. Yeah. I'm going to just have a good week off. <laughs> the Omicron. I've got an announcement we can go out on, if you'd like. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Did you, did you guys know that my penis was in the Guinness uh, Book of Records? <laughs> no, buddy. Yeah, it was. Oh, right. <laughs> My penis was in the Guinness Book of World Records, but the librarian made me take it out. <laughs> You're getting mould all over my book. <laughs> and the mouldy dick joke is back. Get into geek.